Welcome to the Shiro Shift podcast, sponsored by Cardio Dance Babes. I'm your hostess, Carrie Anderson. Cardio Dance Babes provides fun, flexible workouts for women, and we're committed to providing an environment for women to redefine what fitness looks like for them. We believe that this is done from the inside out, and the best way to do this is through listening to the stories of others, to get inspiration, gain some perspective, and remember that we're not alone. So from our living room to yours, enjoy this collection of stories from other grown-ass women just like you. Hello and welcome to the Shiro Shift. I am Carrie Anderson of Cardio Dance Babes and thanks for joining me. So every week I sit down with another lady and have a chat. Cardio Dance Babes is all about shaking that booty, right? We, we love to do um, our fun dance fitness workouts that busy women can do from anywhere at any time and that's a passion and not but and we have a really strong belief that health and happiness just don't work well together unless you're happy with your health and we think that there's a lot of work that has to be done from the inside out and so that's why Reagan and Vanessa and I created the Shiro Shift kind of to just give space to making making that happen giving giving us a place to kind of work that out together. And so when we were thinking about how we were gonna do this, an idea fell into my lap, which is often how that happens, right? So many of you know the story that over the holidays, I was in line at the grocery store and the lady in front of me stepped up to um, pay for her groceries and asked if there was a veteran's discount. and. It got me thinking there was no way the lady was not dressed in any sort of way that would tell me that she was a veteran. I don't even know from which branch she was a veteran, but it made me start thinking, oh my gosh, you, you never know who you're standing behind in line. You never realize that you're standing next to what is essentially a superhero, right? And it, it's got me started thinking like, oh my gosh, actually all women are superheroes. And every superwoman has a story and every story has the potential to help and inspire other women. So, bam, the, the Shiro Shift was born and I just am so blessed to be able to be a part of it. And today's superwoman is a good friend of mine. I'd like to introduce you to Adrian Carsey. Adrian, <laughs> I put in the the Facebook group feed earlier. I'm like, she's one of the most interesting people I know. And just like, oh my gosh, that's that's a lot of pressure. Let me clarify a little bit, okay? Uh, she is interesting. She is interesting, and she's not going to want to hear this um, because Adrian is an actual role model for how people are supposed to human okay she's not gonna want to hear that i know her and i i know that she's not gonna that's not gonna like sit really well right now but she set such a fantastic example for the rest of us she is just one of those rare finds of light and love <laughs> and I, i'm very blessed to have her in my life what makes Adrian so special, I think, is that she's really a thought leader. She has a very interesting perspective and insight into the world and into people. And she's not preachy about it. She just kind of brings it into the world in the most beautiful and gentle way. And I really wanted her to come on and talk about what it is that she does and how she got to to doing all of that and to clarify too a little bit she is a single parent of Jaden who is three and he is the cutest stinking kid oh my gosh he is absolutely adorable and their dog 
is it Brooklyn is the dog say? Ah, I remember. Look at me. She is owner and operator of Life in the Moment. And I can't even begin to describe exactly what that is, but <laughs> she's going to describe it a little bit here for us. But what I really want to dig in today is that Adrian is an expert in helping people live their life in the present. And I think it's really important message. And I cannot wait to get into her story and more about what it is that she does. So Adrian, thanks for being here. I so appreciate you being so flexible, first of all, because we got we got unscheduled and rescheduled. So thank you again for being here. Absolutely. That was quite an intro. I was <laughs> depth but here we are so <laughs> <laughs> I've had people before say well can you write my link my LinkedIn bio that says that exactly please <laughs> yeah, exactly um yep I'm super grateful to be here and like I said I've, I'm looking forward to our chat and just um to talk to people about how important it is um just to kind of live in that in that mindful moment and um, first and foremost, for our whole conversation, the most important thing about mindfulness is no judgment, right? So <laughs> like that is the number one rule of mindfulness. If you're going to live in the moment is to not um, kind of judge that. And, and I think we, I don't want to say waste energy, but we expend a lot of energy then being guilty for something, right? Like, like you're having a conversation with your best friend and you notice you, that you just completely checked out for like a minute and a half and you have no idea what she's talking about. Right. And the guilty part of your brain's like, you love her. Oh, what you, how do you not listen? Okay. So we just wasted way more time than the checkout <laughs> in the guilt. So mindfulness first and foremost. Um, but yeah, so a story. Yes. Well, why don't we back it up a little bit and you tell me about mini Adrian. Are you from the upstate of South Carolina? Um, I've lived here since the fourth grade. So about 25 years at home. Um, I lived in Atlanta before that and was born in Virginia. Um, my mom started very, very young with the BMW up there and she, um, it, then they transferred her to Atlanta and then here when the factory opened. So um, anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge Greenville advocate. Uh, this is one of my, I've traveled a lot and this is one of my favorite cities I've ever been in my life and just continues to grow in such, in such beautiful ways. Um, yeah, so grew up, um, I was a social worker for a while on my form. I put, it, it feels like in a past life, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> we all have like our past life professional world, um, pre-entrepreneurship stuff. Um, I was a social worker in the past life, was was pretty involved with hospices and uh, worked for the state of South Carolina in the foster care child support system. Um, that ended up being a lot of policy that I felt like um, I wasn't able, my morals and the policy clashed on a regular basis and I was going home sick, not going to work. Uh, <laughs> You know, like, yeah, when you hate it bad enough that you're, you're pretending to be sick, that's a problem, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, but now that I own a business and I know about the value of actual mental health day, I'm like, oh, I just needed a couple mental health days. But uh, so I transitioned uh, from social work into kind of an executive assistant role. I did some travel stuff for a while and then ended up uh, the fantastic... Um, the mattress, local mattress manufacturing corporation was a fantastic position. Um, I was there, I think, when I had my son. Uh, so that's where kind of my, my entire mindfulness journey. And then as a result, my entrepreneurship journey started. Um, my dad passed away from a massive stroke two months before I got pregnant with my son. So... <clears throat> For somebody who I was raised in a household where you stuffed emotions, right? You didn't really talk about anything. You didn't, you weren't ever really open about how you felt. You found whatever way to stuff them, right? <laughs> like mm -hmm. A lot of us were kind of raised. Um, and then so going through like the grief journey of my dad and the joy and fear journey of, of my son who I never planned on. I'm a primary parent and have been. 
um, the entire time. Um, learning how to go through that journey hand in hand and balance joy and grief sometimes like clashing in the moment. Like, you know, we, we, a lot of times I think we act like you have to pick an emotion at a moment and it's just not a realistic, it's not a realistic thing to do. Um, in, in my personal mindfulness journey, it's been really interesting concept to realize that you can hold two thoughts at once and two feelings like that at once. We think we either have to be one or the other and almost feel guilt, guilty for laying down one or the other. And it's, 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 and it's been interesting for sure. Absolutely. And like through my journey. So I've realized there's like a, a few foundational things that if I, if they were more normalized, I think we would be a much more mentally healthy and balanced place. And one of those things is that you can hold two emotions, four emotions, six emotions in your hands at one time. You know, I have friends who, um, and just a disclaimer, anybody knows I'm very comfortable talking about a lot of uncomfortable things. Um, so <laughs> I told Carrie, I was going to be the first person who did not need an edit. <laughs> Thank you, Holly, for setting that bar high. <laughs> I'm not going to need any edits. Um, but I, but I am very comfortable talking about things that are, um, are pretty tough to talk about. Um, and as far as like holding multiple emotions, I have several friends who, um, their whole lives have, have wanted to have a child and they have, you know, they watch their friends go through a pregnancy and raising a child and you're holding <laughs> an arm full of emotions, right? You're, you're like super happy for your friend and excited for her at the same time that you're devastated that that's not a part of your journey right now. And that is okay. And it is normal. And it is like, <laughs> you know, all of that, when you were doing my intro and, and saying all those super kind things, all that I'm thinking is like, oh, Carrie doesn't know who like lives up here. She doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't know like the, you know, the, the things I carry guilt for, right? The unkind things you think sometimes or that you, you emotions that you have that feel unkind when you have them. And so much of that is involved with our relationship with ourselves and especially our body, right? Like, oh man, that whole, that's a whole different mindfulness journey and how we talk about ourselves and think about ourselves. And um, yeah, so this, this whole mindfulness journey has just kind of led to all, all of that. <laughs> yeah. And I think it is, it's playing on multiple fields at once. So, I mean, where we as humans are already super complex beings, now we're, we're dealing with you know, our purpose and mission in life, our, our life's work, our parenting and mindfulness and parenting, mindfulness in how, who we want to be when we grow up, right? And that's constant and ever evolving. And you start realizing that they, it, it all sort of really swims and trickles together. And it makes it sort of, sort of a soup, I think, of I, sometimes you don't even know how to feel. So like if I give an intro for somebody that's super glowing, it's so funny. I, I, of the Shiro shift, now I've interviewed other people on other podcasts, but uh, on the Shiro shift, you are my 11th interview. Not one single person yet has been like, absolutely. I'm that person. Not one single person yet. And yet I know these people personally and I know how fantastic they are. And while they're flattered, they're all, there's also this level of discomfort of, am I? But am I that? I don't know. Am I? Is that the way people see me? And it's, it's been really interesting to watch. Do you notice that a lot? That Absolutely. And, and that's one of those things to me, again, if you normalize that, if you normalize that discomfort, that imposter syndrome, that self-doubt that we all feel, right? Like I, I work with kids and mindfulness fairly often. And one of the things I tell them is like, like everybody around you is probably also nervous, right? The first day of school, nobody knows where their locker is. All the locks are don't work like they're supposed to, right? Like you adults, you go to an airport, a lot of people are uncomfortable and don't know where they go. Sure. There's that one super cool traveler, you know, <laughs> like they know what they're doing that we've like, based our entire life after, right? Like the lifetime movie couple who 
you know, all, all of that. And, and we ideals all, of what yeah. we think people should be. Absolutely. And then, and then in turn, what we think we should be ourselves. And I think a lot of times we're even more critical towards ourselves than we are to other people, right? Like if you think about the grace that you offer your, your best friends, right? Like one of your best friends, if she doesn't pop in to check on you for a week or two, right? Okay. Most of us understand that, right? She has a life, she has things, she has a journey, but if, but if we can carry for a long time, the guilt of not checking in on our friend or not feeling like you said the wrong thing or, or whatever. So it's like that carrying of, of the things is way more, we spend way more time and energy carrying the things rather than just seeing them, honoring them and, and kind of moving on. So foundationally, we talked about holding multiple things at once. Um, you know, it's not like you can only check out with two things in your basket. You can hold multiple feelings and multiple emotions about things at once. What are some other foundational things that you talk about when you talk about mindfulness? Uh, that we should all feel free to share emotion when and wherever. Um, and that's something that I really learned in my journey with my dad's passing. Um, my dad out of nowhere had a massive stroke. He was alive for eight days in the hospital afterwards. Um, and it was the heaviest, weirdest, uh, but most synchronistic journey that I've ever been through in my life. And it kind of, kind of broke me open. And, and as you know, obviously terrible, terrible of an experience as it was, I'm now so much more emotionally open because I just could not hold that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, at my dad's uh, memorial, some of my best friends that I've been friends with since high school said, we have never seen you cry. Never seen you cry. And it's like, now I, I, I don't care if we're opening Christmas gifts or if it's watching a fireworks display, if there's a time where I'm like, ah, y'all are just going to get it, <laughs> you know? And like, you know, the, the days in the hospital, I found myself like, you know, you're sobbing, waiting for an elevator to open and the elevator to open opens and it's strangers and you're trying to like, all right, all right, all right. No, like <laughs> it did, you know, we're on the palliative care floor. Like I'm, I don't care anymore. You know, like, like I, I ran out of cares. I ran out of cares to give just avoided one edit. <laughs> ran out of cares to give. Um, and it was, there have been so many situations where I have just walked up to a complete stranger and, and been super heavy or super light with an emotion. And I've just gotten to where I express it and complete strangers have seen me cry. And I just don't, I don't care anymore. You know, like we're taught to care so much and to not rock the boat and to not express your frustration. And I think like getting to know my son as a human and getting to work with so many other kids has taught me that, right? Like kids are, can be so much more balanced because they get that emotion out, right? Like their blocks fall over and they rage it out for a minute and then they move on. And like, as parents, I think we continue a lot of cycles because we don't let that go. And we're still irritated from, at least me personally, irritated from something that happened two hours ago where my ego was hurt, <laughs> right? And like, I'm going to continue on this, this ego battle all day because you didn't listen to me a long time ago. And like the kid has gotten it out. They've moved on. And, and it's admirable to me. We can learn so much from kids in a mindfulness journey. Agreed. And something that I have noticed in my own parenting, and really this has only been since maybe I started coming into the tween years with my oldest, something that she said to me one time, um, has stuck with me. She says a lot of things that stick with me, but this is one in particular that I think is applicable to hear. She said to me one time, you don't, you don't even care. Like you're like stone. And so I was like, okay, I've, I, I thought that holding myself together was protecting her in some way. And what I realized I was doing was I actually was contributing to underdeveloping her empathy for my situation as a parent. So like she doesn't see that I'm hurt because all she sees is upset. She doesn't see that I'm worried because all she sees is 
the stone wall that I've got to hold the line with disciplinary actions or whatever. So she sees a warden. She doesn't see some a mother who's genuinely like concerned. Um, so I, I started trying, and it was honestly really, really difficult for me to almost trust her in a way to, to show her my full emotions about that thing. But I guess I was worried about her having to hold something so heavy, so young. And I don't think that my, my feelings about that were a hundred percent warranted. I think what I, what it really was, was ego and me not wanting to show weakness. And that realization went now that we're going into teenage years has really broken open something in our relationship that we can talk about things on a level that we couldn't before just because I'm willing to relate as opposed to just always staying here above her and her being my subordinate or something, you know, because that's the way I was raised. Like you just did what you were told. Why? Because I told you so. There was no mindfulness in it. It was no consideration of the fact that my parents may have been trying to do something that they felt was best for me. So it has been really interesting as a parent to try and parent mindfully. And I'm telling you, I've taken classes on it. It's been that important to my journey as a parent um, because we, we just were not relating on that level. I think it's so important. I wish I'd started it when my kids were younger. Yeah. Yeah. And it's never, it's never too late. That is the most important thing because once she knows that you're a human, right? Like that's the switch you just flipped in her. In my, in my opinion, like, right. We think like our parents are up here and then we remember like, that's a human. And that's one thing that having a son, I have apologized to my mom multiple times and said, I have really carried this feeling for a long time for you. But now that I have a child, I see exactly what you were trying to do. And I apologize, you know, like, like when you really slow down and how, and see how much you do reflexively versus making a mindful choice in parenting, it's mind blowing. And I do this as part of my profession and I make reflexive choices on a regular basis. And that's part of like, comes into that imposter syndrome, right? Like, how can I, how can I teach people to talk to their kids mindfully. And I just really wanted to backhand my son. You know what I mean? I, quick backhand, right? Like <laughs> I was born with like a reflexive backhand, like a lot of us were, right? You don't, you don't say no, you don't say nah, you don't, you don't share your opinion at all, right? You take whatever order you were given and you do it immediately. And like, you know, that's a huge on a regular basis because my son and I have a very, very open relationship um, at a three-year-old. And, and that's one of my favorite things about mindfulness is you can apply it to any age, any age whatsoever. Like there is an appropriate way to talk to any kids about energy, um, any adults about energy from two to 102. Like they understand <laughs> way more than we think. And, and my son, um, the other day, so a more recent part of that story, um, about a month ago, I was noticing some symptoms that I had. Um, I had probably eight or nine years ago, what they call, um, uh, un, like an unexplained clot um, event, right? Um, I had a clot in my legs and some in my lungs. And about a month ago, I noticed some of the same breathing patterns. It's a very distinctive shortness of breath. Um, so when ended up spent a few days in the hospital, I have some clots in both of my lungs um, and one in my about a three inch long clot in my leg. So that last month of a journey has been another rapid roller coaster, right? And, and, and on that roller coaster, the same time that I'm raising my son and um, one thing I have learned about myself is that fear for me manifests as aggravation or irritation. I'm not good at feeling afraid. Like, and I never really made the association. Anytime I've gone to like a haunted house and somebody really scares me, I want to punch them. So like, I never made the association that like physical, you know, like that is, that is my body's response to fear. Um, like you were saying, you don't want to share things with some 
with some people sometimes, and I guess my body doesn't want to share that I'm scared, right? So it manifests as fear and irritation, especially in, in raising my son um, and just kind of working through all those feelings. At three years old, my son, uh, I guess it was about a week ago, um, I was trying to get him ready. I had nothing to do. There was no reason to be rushing him, but I was just rushing him because I wanted him to be at daycare. You know, I want him to be with the woman who keeps him during the day and <laughs> out of my responsibility. And I was just irritated about it. And he looked at me and said, why are you so mad with me? And then right in my eye, he said, you have been so mad with everybody. And I was like, <laughs> like that was a pivotal moment. And I, I wanted to curse him out. Like my reflex was just to curse him out and tell him he has no idea what I go through and blah, 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 blah. But I just like, I didn't even have the energy to do that at that point. Cause he was right. And like, if you take away like the superior aspect that you were talking about, right. Like just being the superior of your child, he was like somebody that was trying to tell me something that he was absolutely right about. So <laughs> it was one of those things where my ego was like, no, this, you don't have a say in this, but, but my spiritual and my mindful side was like, oh, he's trying to tell you something and, and he's absolutely right. So we can learn so much from kids if we just slow down, you know, slow down and really listen. They have the such weird ways of releasing energy and they have, <laughs> but it works, you know? Yeah. I, I wanted really, really badly. My daughter has a terrible habit of drawing on herself. I mean, like arm to fingertip, she will draw, I mean, all day, every day on her pants, on her legs, on her feet, on her toes, every single finger. I mean, like little henna all the way. I'm like, what do you actually do in school? You're covered head to toe in pen marks. And I started realizing that it's something that she does it, I think sort of did deal with anxiety and boredom so that it does so that she doesn't get in trouble. When I realized that it was a tactic, I had to kind of take uh, almost divorce myself from the initial feeling of almost if my people see my child covered in pen, what is that going to make me look like? Mm -hmm. And when I realized it's actually a coping mechanism and not an unhealthy one, that I was like, let the girl draw on herself. It's not the end of the world. There are so many things we can be fighting about that. This doesn't have to be one of them. So it, it's, it's really, really enlightening. So we talked about holding two things. That's one pillar of mindfulness and then feeling the feels. Anything else? Um, I would just say remem remembering that whoever it is you're dealing with is also a complex human. Um, Sarah Ballard from Nectar has, has taught me so much about like remembering that that person is a human, but also remembering that you're separate from them and even your child, right? She teaches us this great um, practice about like observing the space between you and whatever is causing you discomfort, like, you know, ir not irrational discomfort, but like a child throwing a tantrum, right? Is like, it's not affecting you. You're in your house, like they're having their, their really big feelings and we get so connected to them. Right. Or we're out in public and then our ego is connected because now people have seen that my child's having a tantrum or that they have writing all over their arms or <laughs> that they're singing at the top of their lungs and dancing in the middle of the aisle. Like people are seeing this, right. Which that could be a whole nother foundational pillar, right? Like don't waste the energy to care what anybody else thinks. <laughs> will free so much, <laughs> you know, and then no, like, not have all these pillars popping up. <laughs> I would say probably one of the other most important is remembering that that is always going to be an ebb and flow. It's ever everything we can heal from everything we can practice everything we can feel is going to be an ebb and flow, like, right, a lot of us like in fitness journeys and whatever, like we're waiting on this pivotal self moment where we completely love our body and accept our body as is, right, and we're waiting for this pivotal moment that we ride out, and then, you know, we might have that pivotal moment for a day, but then 
a couple of days later, we're like, oh, why do I feel bad again? I thought I dealt with this. I thought I, I thought I had self-love now. Like all of this is a constantly moving journey. And based on like our cycles, hormone cycles, the moon cycles, stuff around us like that, all of those feelings and everything will ebb and flow. So instead of like spending the energy to, to fight the guilt or never try to feel the guilt again, you know, if we release the pressure and just see the guilt and say, Ooh, I see a part of me is feeling guilty, but it's not needed right now. It's not helpful. It's not productive. I see you and then try to kind of move on from that. And also letting go of anger and blame. I, I, I like to believe that everybody's doing the best with what they have. It's just that some of us have uh, a more fleshed out toolbox than others of us. And so when you, when you, now this is easier said than done. Let me, let me say that this is easier said than done, right? In truly, truly traumatic incidences, trauma, it's really hard to frame it this way, but most of the time victims of any kind of trauma are a victim of a victim. Really, whoever was their perpetrator was probably a victim of something as well. Now, whether that's mental health, whether it's their own experiences, whether it's their environment, nature, nurture, whatever the case may be, when we humanize someone who has done us wrong, it's so much easier to let go of any kind of anger or hurt against them and then you really can focus on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's something and, you know, remembering that humanness and remembering that, 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 you know, we can let go and we can release that trauma. We're releasing what we feel in this moment, right? Like all we can control is this one moment. So like helping remember that those people are human and that, and that goes back to the kids too. Remembering that your child is a human is something that it, it takes a, a big feeling for him to have a really big feeling for me to be like, oh yeah, this is a human being, like a human being who wakes up with zero control of his everyday life. Like, right. He wakes up, he wears most of the time what I pick out. He he's on my schedule, you know, like he wakes up with zero control. And in those moments where he's, playing in the dirt like that is his entire moment you know and just because I'm the adult that has 20 things on my to-do list I'm rushing him for kind of no reason you know and and it's it's remembering that everybody is a human uh yeah it's a fine line because we can also give I think at times give people um a little bit more energy than we should because we're considering our humanness you know so that is definitely a fine line um, to walk in the world of like boundaries and, and people, you know, giving people your time and energy. So talk a little bit more, if you don't mind about boundaries and what that means. And I mean, it seems like one of those words that what's the term is kind of like one of those pop words these days. It's very like, a buzzword. That's what I'm looking for. Talk a little bit about that and what exactly it means to, to have boundaries and respect boundaries. Uh, that is a whole, oh man, that could be a whole nother Shira chat. <laughs> really, it's just about being mindful of um, what you, what kind of energy you give and that, and that you receive from other people. Um a lot of people, especially like when you can, when people consider themselves like an empath or, you know, those people, they're just naturally like great listeners. They love to help people. They love to be there um, kind of energetically and in real, you know, in regular life, those people tend to be like a energetic dump spot for people, right? Like when my bags are too heavy and I see this person who I know she she or he will carry my bags. <laughs> there are times that I'm like, <laughs> you know, all of us. Um, and I think uh, those boundaries are just about 
uh, knowing the energy that you leave with other people as well as the energy that you allow people to leave with you. It's a, um, you've seen in the mindfulness group, it, it's a, it's a main focus of a lot of my journey because with, you know, the journey with uh, my dad and my son, and then the journey now with, with the blood clots and everything, um, I'm doing boundary work with friends that I've had for 15, 20 years that we've had very little boundaries in the past, you know, and, um, and now it's time for, you know, me to say, Hey, I can't carry that right now. Like, you know, and, and it's, it's a I've got my own stuff. I'm processing. I can't be your support person in that way right now. Yeah. yeah and, and that could mean, um, that could mean I just need an hour to get myself together and I can help you carry some stuff. That could mean that's something I'm not interested in carrying for you at all anymore. Or, you know, like there, there's a lot of different levels of that. So again, when you talk about something that is ebbing and flowing, boundaries, physical and energetic boundaries are constantly moving um, just in and out. And like, I think the openness about like, hey, I can't, I can't today. <laughs> I love you. And I see you and I see that you're struggling, but I can't today. I don't have, I don't, my hands are full, you know, and like, and it doesn't have to be defensive. No, you know, People think oftentimes that to and to establish a boundary, you almost have to be angry and put your foot down. And I think that there are ways to do it way before it has to escalate to that. Um, and it can be something as simple as, I don't know, uh, somebody who does work for you and you or somebody who's got an appointment with you and they didn't show up or something like that. And you can set a very gentle but firm boundary saying, yeah, this is not how I want to spend my time. Or it can be a family member who is, I don't know, asking for $2 million. I mean, you know, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, sure. And I think part of that like hard negative connotation is part of the buzzword thing, right? Like the, the, the buzzword aspect of it, you think you're hard. You think you're, you have to be a rude person to set boundaries and to say, Hey, no, I, I can't, or don't want to do that. Or, you know, whatever your boundary is, like it, it's become kind of that connotation. And, um, Chantel Smith with Tide and Truth and I have been talking about like the connotation of so many of these words is just not the most pleasant, right? Like shadow work and, um, and dark, you know, dark work and like all, all of these things that, well, first of all, I don't think that the English language actually has enough words. And I, I, I really believe that there are some things that you can't, that aren't descriptive. There are other languages that have triple the amount of letters and quadruple the amount of words that we have because they have better ways of describing things. Um, we're kind of limited, in my opinion. You know, pe people, we were talking the other day about body acceptance. I don't love the word acceptance because it feels like resignation to me. Complacency. Yeah. Like, all right, well, mm -hmm. this is it. Um, yes. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I don't love that. Um, the other thing that I really, really like about the idea of boundaries is that it, especially when working with kids and I think especially young girls, and I can say that because I have one, I have worked hard to try and teach my kid intuition. Mm -hmm. So if, if something's happening and your icky meter goes off, then what? Mm -hmm. Then how do you tell a friend, you know what, that, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. I don't want to do it just because you told me to. Or, um, you know, whatever the case may be, whether it's, peer pressure or just talking about other people. I, I don't know. She's my friend. Now you're telling me bad things about her. And how do you, how do you advocate for somebody that you love without bowing up and being like, all right, let's throw hands. Um, like, how do you, how do you advocate and stand up for yourself without it being super dramatic? I mean, it just, Sometimes there just needs to be 
some, I think, intuition taught to people as opposed to just saying, well, I guess I'll just try it until I'm in trouble. And I think that's a dangerous policy, especially for young people who don't know exactly where the lines and the limits of themselves are. So that's something that um, when it comes to boundary teaching, I'm trying to instill in my kids. If you meet a man while you're walking down the street and he is walking too close to you and you feel uncomfortable, that's there for a reason. That's survival. Dig into that, get somewhere safe, get your phone in your hand, like whatever the case may be. Um, that's mindfully being aware of your space, your body space. And, you know, that's why we have like, that's why the hairs on the back of our neck stand up. Yeah, absolutely. Their survival skills. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a combination of teaching that intuition, teaching people to listen to that intuition in combination with not caring what other people think when you react to that intuition. And that's another thing I talk to talk to kids a lot about in mindfulness. If you're in a situation and this, this can go from preschool kids watching other kids get picked on all the way to college watching a, a young girl get sexually assaulted while she's drunk, right? Like this can range all of that. Every one of those people watching knew it was wrong, right? So you being the one to say, hey, this is not right. Everybody knows. So you not caring, right? You not caring I, I will be downtown sometimes. If I hear fast stop, fast footsteps behind me, I'm going to stop. I'm going to look at you and I'm going <laughs> to like, I don't care if it looks weird. Right. Like, like people that post about like they were being followed in target and looked at funny. Um, you know, we're, we're, it's very deeply ingrained in, in people, especially women, especially women of color, to just don't rock the boat, right? Be quiet. Don't be the loud, rude person. Don't be extra. Don't be, don't be any of that. And like, that is what intuition is, right? Like that is our intuition is telling us it's wrong. And so people have been victimized in, in things where everybody watching knows it was wrong. There is a tiny piece in every single person watching that their intuition is like, Oh, this is, eh this is uncomfortable. And they carry that with them every day because one person didn't speak up and say, Hey, this is out of line. This is wrong. This is mean. This is violent. This is dangerous, whatever. I wonder too, as a society too, and this is like, this is way down the rabbit hole, but as a society, I think that that's how mass gaslighting occurs. Absolutely is. Because one person didn't say something, and then the second person didn't say something, and then the third person didn't say something. Meanwhile, this person over here is still like, what, really? Yeah. Meanwhile, the powers that be are separating those divides, you know, like, and, and, and this is a whole, again, a whole kind of rabbit hole, but a necessary one. It's the whole reason that, that they're allowed to treat black people in our country like they are gaslighting because of you know like all of that so many people know these things are wrong 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 but they've been pitted each other against each other in some kind of versus thing and they know you know what I mean like know that that stuff's not right and it's just been generations of that gaslighting and, and multiplying so absolutely. yeah I mean I I've 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 kind of compared it to like, I just feel like just being like a candle being dipped in it over and over and over again until you're just one, you're just one with the candle. You don't even really realize. And I remember when some of this stuff was just starting to kind of come back up. I distinctly remember, and if you don't yet understand what mindfulness is, I distinctly remember a moment where I was defensive I found myself being defensive of my own behavior in a minute. And I was just like, oh, wait, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. And mindfulness isn't like admitting your faults. I mean, sometimes it is, but it's not. It's, it's literally noting in the moment, oh, that's the origin of that. That's, 
that's thinking about it as it's happening, living in it as it's happening. You don't even necessarily have to change it in the moment. Um, but looking at it, not necessarily without judgment, but just this aha of that's what they're talking about. Oh my gosh. And mindfulness in everyday life is the same way too. But I remember that as one of my first experiences with big time mindfulness was just like the aha moment of, oh my gosh, that's me. I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing. That's what they're talking about. I didn't even realize it. Um, and it, that's a big, a, a big example of it. But in, I mean, little things in life, applicable things in life, why all of a sudden do I want to eat my weight in pizza? Um, why, why, how can you dig back to the root, the root of that a little bit and understand so that in that moment, you don't, again, you don't have to change it in the moment necessarily. But the next time it'll come, you'll be able to be like, oh, there you are, little friend. The next time you can get in front of it and handle it more in the moment, as opposed to letting the emotions run away with you. Absolutely. And knowing like, so one of the things that I've started to do that, that has kind of helped me. So when I notice I, I am working from a reflexive reaction, which you mentioned pizza, mindful, a mindful eating journey is something I have been deep into for the last three years. Um, undoing 35 years of, you know, just reflexive thinking. Um, you know, that, that kind of mindfulness. Okay. So when you, when you're in the moment and you notice a thing like that happened, I feel like I need to file it into, wait, do we need to unpack this right now? Or do we need to keep it on the forefront to unpack when I get home in a quiet moment, when I, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and a lot of times that helps me, especially with kind of big feelings of anxiety, right? Like I, I see something that I need to unpack. And then now I'm like, ah, but I'm doing something, but I know I need, I know this needs to be addressed like very, very soon. Um, a lot of that has been a part of like my fear journey with, with the stuff with blood clots, you know, um, creating a will and like stuff that is just like innately uncomfortable, you know, like nobody wants to decide where their child's going to go if something happens to them. Right. And, and so taking that moment and say, Ooh, this, this doesn't feel comfortable for what reason do we need to address it now? Do we need to move on? Um, so that that's been a huge help to me and, and know that even if you notice it, it may not always flip the switch to change it. Right. So <laughs> in mindful parenting, right, you would love to think as soon as you realize you're yelling at your kid that you never would yell at your kid again, you know, like in theory, right, you would think that makes my kid sad, I would never try to do it again. But it just doesn't work like that. Again, we're trying to reroute however many years of, of reflexive, of reflexive thinking and, and eating is huge in that. And I know, like in the fitness industry, there is so much reflexive thinking around around food and you know I was half of my family's southern the other half is Italian so it's not a meal unless you have at least five carbs at the table right and like you know a meat and and two starches and maybe a vegetable if you feel like it like that's how and three options for dessert you can't, yes, exactly. you can't just have one come on <laughs> and bread like so you know we were we were raised like that and and trying to raise my son more mindfully, I see how much ebb and flow there is in his appetite and the things he wants to eat. And I see how much my family is still, you know, my family has been incredible about, about caring to learn why I interact with Jay the way I do and why, um, you know, some things would get that, you know, they would just, pop them or put them in time out for, you know, that I choose not to do that and choose not to feed him meat and seafood. And I don't offer dessert and like, you know, like all of these small things that, you know, they were raised, you finish your meal, you get dessert. Happy plate. <laughs> yeah. A happy plate. Exactly. That term right there, yeah, you know, just, and, and I have family members who, 
they, them and their kids will go round after round at the dinner table and the kids crying and gagging and the parents screaming and like, you know, I just, I just would rather kind of pick my battles as they say. And, and food is something that I'm working so hard not to pass my reflective act, reflexive actions onto him mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, we eat standing up and walking around and we will eat outside and at whatever time we get hungry, not like at six o'clock every night. And, you know, there, there's just so much when you're really mindful about why you make the decisions you make. It, it's kind of like, there's a lot of rules that were like, wait, why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. You, you realize that ultimately you were just like a computer that got programmed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it, and it's definitely like that again with the reflexive actions it's to me in, in the way I was raised, it's reflexive to pop a kid for popping a dog or popping another kid. And I'm like, wait, so you hit the kid to teach them not to hit the thing. It doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> and again, this is something, so again, no judgment, right? I'm not judging anybody who makes that choice. It just, I, I do, you know, like. It doesn't just, make sense right. in my household. <laughs> So, and again, no judgment. I don't even judge my parents for having raised me that way. I I really don't. I, they were doing the best they could with what they had and they had their hands full. So God bless them. (laughs) Realizing that slowing to realize that that person is a human, a growing human, trying to raise a growing human. And now I'm like, Oh, my mom was working 50 hours a week. She was exhausted. My dad was out doing whatever my dad was doing. Oh, she was exhausted. I did not know until I had children that I would be growing up with my children. I didn't know that. I thought that like grownups were just grownups. When I was a kid, I had no idea that we would basically be growing up and learning together the whole the whole way. And my poor oldest child is just like the guinea pig. <laughs> the guinea pig. I mean, my second kid's amazing, but the first one, I'm like, oops, sorry, did that one wrong. You know, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> All right, let's let's get a little bit into the three G's here. So, for those of you who don't know, the three G's is something that we like to do here. Typically, we do it with our boss babes just to help them kind of mindfully again. Um, live in week to week kind of thing. So, you know, maybe last week didn't go super well, or maybe, maybe it did. How can we just like honor that? Take what we have in the moment and then move towards a future full of hope. That's kind of the idea of um, finding gratitude, grace, and then setting a goal. So across your story, Adrian. Can you tell me what you're most grateful for in your own story? Uh, most grateful. Um, I would say uh, just just kind of that openness, that more recent openness. Um, it has, I think, helped me release a lot of energy that I would have otherwise and have in the past just carried and carried and carried. I used to be... Um, a little bit over 450 pounds um, several years ago. And um, that's because I was just carrying everybody's stuff and, um, and carrying my own stuff. And so just the, the super grateful to understand my body and energy better um, and, and be committed to that openness. You know, I keep joking that one day I'm going to tell a stranger is going to ask me how I am and I'm really going to let them know and it's going to be awkward. <laughs> But, you know, like, it it just needs to be normalized to kind of for that openness to be so, so grateful for my circle who like grows with me every day. And again, I have boundaries changing in relationships that are 20 plus years long and, and everybody has, has been graceful and we have our, you know, our reflexive conversations and then we both come back like, sorry about that. This is how I was feeling. This is how it manifested you know what I mean? And so, yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's how growth happens. Um, and I think it's really funny too, because it's, 
it's never like you get to the end, you know, it's going to be that ebb and flow. People are like, it's going to, it's going to settle down eventually. Mm, no, 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 actually, this is just a part of the story. So what, what up to this point, um, we talked about grateful grace. Wh where are you landing with that and giving yourself grace for that? Because um, those two almost kind of like blur together a little bit, I think. Yeah, they do. And um, I think my where I could afford to give myself grace in that situation is just for making like reflexive decisions in the past that I kind of um, have continued to carry and that, um, you know, I'm choosing to walk on eggshells around people because I've, I've said something reflexive in the past or anything like that. So just really showing myself grace for for that part, um, I let all of my close friends know, especially since the journey with the blood clots, like my communication is going to change. My boundaries are going to change. I appreciate y'all's patience and I want you to be open. Like that, that's the thing. Like I just want people to be open. And as much as we talk about difficult, uncomfortable things, like especially in the mindfulness group or, or powerhouse calls, like be open. If, if you ever have a problem with anything I say or anything somebody else says, like come to them in a kind and respectful way. There's a pretty kind and respectful way to say absolutely anything you need to say to somebody. So I mean, I've even personally had questions that I was just like, I don't know if I'm looking at this in a weird way and I'll bounce it off of you because I know that I, it's, it's, an open and free enough space where I can ask a question without feeling super judged in the moment. Um, and I think everybody just needs that kind of, that kind of friend in their lives. So yeah. I, I think openness is honestly the key to unlocking like true connection. Yeah, it, it is because there are so many things that we we carry that we feel like we're the only person that feels right like we all think that we have this super mean person in our head right <laughs> there is a part of all of us that is just petty or or whatever you know and we all carry that around and um yeah there there's these moments where that openness is huge and where um i did prenatal yoga all through my pregnancy and there was this woman from the czech republic in our class and um every week we share like a joy and a concern and her concerns were like real life, you know, like when am I going to feel love for my baby? Cause right now I don't feel it yet. And then, you know what I mean? Oh. They're like, yeah. And they're oh my gosh. And I'm like, no, like, you know, we're conditioned to think when you get pregnant, it's supposed to be this joyful journey and it's joyful. And and she was so real. Like she is in my mind, like my, my role model, right. For like that part of me, that's like, no, say how, like, just say it. <laughs> A lot of other people are feeling it. Right. A lot of other people are, are sad that they feel like whatever, you know, like all of that, that openness is just, it just needs to be normalized for sure. So important. All right. Last, last little thing. What are your goals going forward? Um, let's see. I would say most important goals right now are to kind of figure out that, um, that fear to rage or fear to irritation pipeline for me. Mm. Since um, I have the clots, I can't do uh, some of the things that I was doing, you know, I can't hit my heavy bag. I can't do the hit classes. I can't really go to the gym right now. Um, so it's like my things for that aggression release, I, I, you know, I'm not able to do right now. So I, I would say that's my first, like, um, that's my priority. My intention over the next couple of weeks is to figure out like a way that's safe for my lungs and me to release that. Mm. Yes. See, that's real. <laughs> I mean, see, like that is very real. I mean, because the fear is is real. Yeah, and the way. Um, so I have I have a very pretty big, very open group of friends, and the way we show emotion is very. It seems very, very strange, but like 
it is, you know what I mean? It, it just is what it is. We'll be laughing hysterically one minute and then it, and it kind of catches somebody and sends them into a minute of something else. And like, I'm no, and it's, it's just part of my discomfort about sharing. Like a lot of my best friends, you know, I'm, I'm not so comfortable sharing things with them and I'll like in the middle of a club or a basketball game, or like, <laughs> I'll just lean over and just drop something heavy and it's not intentional it's not like you know it's just like I needed it out in that moment really when there can't be any conversation back right <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm gonna let this out and then let's watch the game <laughs> you know and then there's been there's been a lot of that with like the the blood clot journey and like trying to have a fun moment with my son but feel something in my chest and think about like, okay, well, if something were to happen to me right now, what neighbor's house would he go to? Would they help him? Like all, all of that in the same, you know, in the same thought is just spinning around. And, and I think a lot of us have all of that dancing around. And if we were just more open about it, we, we would just be much more graceful with ourselves. It's almost like releasing the valve a little bit would allow us to plan for the future, but live in the moment without the, the future taking over the joy in our lives in this, 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 this moment. Yeah, it, it really definitely is. And I compare it a lot of times to like a shaken soda, right? Like all the time, all the years we've been holding this stuff in, we're like shaking this soda. So sure, when you go to, when you go to release that cap all the way, you know, boom. Right. And so like, there are people who that release of a cat may have, may have ended up with them in a serious mental health crisis or may have like devastated a marriage or a friendship or, you know, so there's like a very fine line between releasing the cap and also like slowing down to release, but always after like the initial, you know, things balance out and, and, and you'll be able to see like, at, at this time of the month, I usually feel this way. Or when my friends talk about this subject, I feel like that. Like we have a joke in my friend circle. We'll be like, ooh, 15-year-old Adrian, that, that offends <laughs> Like, ow. <laughs> like, very open about it because it's not necessarily a rational feeling. It doesn't feel rational to have that feeling, but it, but it's still valid because it's yours. Right. And like whether that feeling is coming from a place of reflection or a place of trauma or a place of whatever, that feeling is valid because it's yours. Uh, I think that's a great place for us to, to start wrapping up. Um, this conversation, oh, my gosh, has just absolutely given me life because this is this is my, this is my jam. I love deep conversations. I, I, I think I'm one of those like really annoying people that if you want to talk about the weather? I'm like, and I kind of check out mentally, but if I can like feed, oh, this is my stuff. Like I'm just like around the campfire. This is what I want to, like, this is my, my life. I love it so, so much. So you're one of my favorite people to talk this stuff about because you have such a beautiful perspective and you, you just, I don't, and I know it makes you uncomfortable, but you just make people around you better humans. I mean, who can say that? Who, who can say that? So it's important work that you do. And I so appreciate you. Um, listen, Cardio Dance Babes family, I, I kind of want to really pull out of this that we can, can, can really live much more full lives when we focus on where we are now, don't live too far in the past and don't worry too much about the future. That doesn't mean that you don't honor the past. That doesn't mean that you don't plan and aspire for certain things in the future. What it means is that you get to experience whatever is happening now. And I think mindfulness is 
a tool that we should all be using in our own toolboxes when it comes to managing those moments moment to moment. Um, I think that it it's certainly improved my life. It's, it's you, you see it woven all through Adrian's stories. If you want more information about mindfulness, if you're still kind of like, this is a nebulous thing, I don't really understand it. Um, I'll put all of Adrian's information sort of in the notes on, on the, um, the blog and on the podcast notes so that you guys can go and she's got tons of resources on how to, how to live in the moment. And she also has a Facebook group, um, not your mama's mindfulness. And it is so fun. It is so fun. She does such a great job of here we're gonna be a little bit serious. Here we're gonna be a little bit silly. Here we're gonna be a little bit reflective. Here we're gonna start it all over again. And that's the best way, I think, to learn. So if you have any any questions about that, certainly reach out to me. You can reach out to Adrian. Again, I'll put those that contact in our notes. And if you're really, really interested, go ahead and join Not Your Mom Your Mama's Mindfulness Group because it's so fun. Adrian, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with me. You are a delight. You're just the light of my life. I so appreciate you and the the space that you occupy in my life because it's it's better because of you. So thank you. Mwah. Thank you for joining the Shiro Shift Podcast. The Shiro Shift Podcast is sponsored by Cardio Dance Babes. To find out more about Cardio Dance Babes, go to cardiodancebabes.com or to apply to be a guest on the show, go to cardiodancebabes.com slash stories. <laughs>